Listen, when you experience being a Knicks fan on a daily basis and all the incompetence and the bullshit that we've been through over the last 20 years, like, we just want a team to be proud of. That's that's literally all we want. I don't care if it's as a four seed, as an eight seed, as an 10 seed. This looks like a team right now with Tom Thibodeau leading them that actually gives a shit and, like, they care about each other, and that's what people want to see. Welcome back to the Getting Buckets podcast. This is episode 34. I'm here with Jordan, Matt, and my dear brother, Ethan. And a big week of news. We're kicking off with just hot off the press news. Uh, Lloyd Pierce is fired from the Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks started 10 and 9. They're now 14 and 20. Nate McMillan will be the interim coach. But before we get to that, I want to talk, you know, we are a New York focused uh, podcast. Of course, we're all native New Yorkers. And uh, the New York Knicks, as I predicted, are having a very successful season. Their first time over 500 since 2013. And I want to bring it over to our resident Knicks fan, Jordan Grossman, who um, rumor has it, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, was so happy that he was crying in his bed for seven hours yesterday. So Jordan, why don't you get us started? How do you feel about this Knicks surge? What is working for the Knicks? And what do you like to see about this New York Knicks team? Well, first off, I, I I need to correct Woe, which was only six hours. Okay, so so I'll just I'll start you off there. But um, I'm I I know it's only like I see people on Twitter going like, oh, they're they're only a game over five hundred. They're the four seed. The East is garbage. Like I see all this talk. Like why are they getting so excited, screaming on the streets? Like, listen, when you experience being a Knicks fan on a daily basis and all the incompetence and the bullshit that we've been through over the last 20 years. Like we just want a team to be proud of. That's that's literally all we want. I don't care if it's as a four seed, as an eight seed, as an 10 seed. They're just like, they're a team. This looks like a team right now with Tom Thibodeau leading them that actually gives a shit. And like, they care about each other. And that's what people want to see. Like they want that New York grit and grind. Like they, they just want to see guys like that. And like, it, start, it starts with Julius Randle. Like he was named an All Star last week, and I'm so happy for him. I th- I think he deserved it. He got he got a ton of shit last year that was deserved, but he he but he rebounded really well from it. He's turned into you know one of the best power forwards in the league. Um, Mitchell Robinson's been out. He broke his hand, uh, I think two weeks ago, and Nero's Noel has stepped up in a really big way. He's been like an anchor for them on defense. Uh, he had he's played 41 minutes and 40 minutes the last two nights. And, you know, this is a guy who's dealt with a lot of injuries, so he's really, like, he's grinding right now. And just R.J. Barrett, something that really caught my eye is I saw someone post today that over the last 23 games, R.J. Barrett is shooting 47% from three. And this is a guy in college who was shooting, like, 30% from three and, like, 31, 32% in his first year in the NBA. So to see that jump for him as, as, a shoot, as an outside shooter is really great for the next spacing. They've always had that issue. And I'm just... I'm I'm over the moon right now with this team. I know they're 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 not a four seed talent. Like you can probably name six at least at least six or seven teams that are better than them talent wise in the East. 
But listen, they're the number two defense in the NBA right now, and this is a 32-33 game sample size. So it's not really a fluke anymore. You could say maybe the first 10-15 games, but we have a pretty good sample size right now. So just to, to see the way they, they battle every single night, it, it just makes me feel so warm and happy inside. And uh, I'm just, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll give it over to you guys, but I'm just like, I, I'm, I'm, re- I'm really ecstatic with this 18 and 17 start. And Ethan, I, uh, I, I want to ask you a question, though, because we uh, did talk. One of our first episodes was about the Knicks hire of Tom Thibodeau. And I'm wondering, you know, in hindsight, uh, I think we both kind of thought that Tom Thibodeau was not going to be the right hire. I think I was a bit uh, more optimistic than you at the time. But looking at the team's success now, to what extent do you think uh, credit should be given to Tom Thibodeau for this resurgence of the New York Knicks? A lot. I mean, when you hire uh, Tom Thibodeau, you know that your team's going to play defense. And, you know, aside from Minnesota, where he didn't really have the right personnel, um, he's everywhere he's been, he's always had a, a great defense. So, yeah, I'm not, so shocked. I'm not shocked that Thibodeau really had turned it around. I didn't think he would be that good, but it's time to keep it 100 here, people. This is fluky as fuck. I don't see this lasting uh, long long term. Like, yes, Julius Randle is a, a solid player, but let's not kid ourselves here. Can he really carry a team? I know, oh, just off the top of my head, seven teams that are without a doubt better than the Knicks right now, and you could probably argue that there are some teams that are even better. And then when you uh, combine it with Car- the Carl Anthony Towns rumors that he might get traded, if I'm Minnesota, I demand R.J. Barrett or Julius Randle for Carl Anthony Towns. One of them, at least one of them, has to be in that trade. If not, Minnesota is getting absolutely fucked if they don't if they don't do that in a trade. So I just like, of course, give credit to the Knicks. They uh, really have turned it around, but I just don't see it lasting long term. You know, unless they know they're gonna. Can, can I can I ask you something though? Like. When you, when you look back at the Nets, I know that it's not the exact same kind of development that they had, but look at the 2018 season the Nets had. They had a young all-star in D'Angelo Russell, who was a guy who, you know, he got thrown out of L.A. And he, they, he went to Brooklyn. He really, you know, built his value back up, became an all-star. Uh, they, they went 42-40, and 40, which wasn't like, you know, it's like the Knicks. They weren't amazing. There were probably teams more talented than them, but they became respected across the league. And that's how they were able to get guys like Katie and Kyrie. I'm not saying the Knicks are going to get that superstar talent right away, but this is how you do it. Like this is how you build a long-term winner and it's how you recruit big free agents in the next two or three years. Well, by building no, a competition I, that's respected. I was about to say that, yes, they definitely are building a foundation. I'm not going to dispute, I'm not going to dispute that. They definitely are going the right direction. And it definitely can be a, a free agent destination. But I, I don't know. I just feel like, off, just off the top of my head right now, the Raptors are better than the Knicks. The Pacers, are, I think, are still better than the Knicks, in my opinion, especially when they get Levert back. Um, the Heat are definitely better than the Knicks. And then you got the, the Bucks, the Nets, the Sixers. That's six teams right there. I, I, I don't disagree with you. I, I totally agree you with you. You could that. argue that the Hornets are actually better than the Knicks. Uh, it's close. Let's it's look close. Let's you look could argue. So... I mean, when you, when it comes to the record, I mean, obviously the East is 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 dog shit right now. I mean, let's just say what it is. It's a very very top heavy Eastern Conference. 
the Bucks have started to turn around, but it, it is a very, very top-heavy Eastern Conference this year. So, Oh, and the Celtics, too. So I think that's already at least seven or eight teams that are actually better than the Knicks, in my opinion, right now. But you know, so, as of as of today, the Knicks are the best defensive team in the league. They they allow the least points per game in the entire NBA. No, I'm no, I'm I'm definitely giving credit to to Thibodeau. Like he definitely, you know, gave him the kick and kick in the ass to the organization that that they needed for sure. Matt, I'm I'm curious what you think. You haven't said anything in in a while. Yeah, no, I mean, like you guys are basically taking all of my points. I was going to. Uh, point out that this Knicks team is very reminiscent of that 2018-2019 Nets team, right? Where Julius Randle is playing the role of D'Angelo Russell, the um, the ex-Lakers draft pick who, uh, you know, kind of fell out with the league and uh, all of a sudden is having a resurgent all-star season and is leading a new team with a new culture. And um, the the Knicks this year, um, just like uh, like David said, they're number one in the entire NBA in points per game allowed at, at 104 points per game. Uh, number two in, de- in um, uh, defensive efficiency. And what that tells me is the Knicks are buying into the culture. They're buying into the culture that Tom Thibodeau, who is known for having strong defenses, they're buying into that. And when you buy into a culture, even still, if the Knicks are not actually the number four best team in the Eastern Conference in terms of talent, uh, they're building a culture so that in the future, free agents will want to sign with them. It's, it's the same model that the Nets, uh, that the Nets were uh, doing two years ago. It's, it's the exact same thing. We, we're seeing history kind of repeat itself in front of our eyes. And as look, as much as it pains me to say, like, this is a very exciting time to be a Knicks fan. And you know what, like, like, is it really that bad? Because when, when everyone is doing well, it lifts everyone up. Right. So if New York sports is excited about the the Knicks and they're excited about the Nets, that means that everyone is more excited about everyone. So and it's, if, it's, if, a, if, it's a good, it's a good, and if, for, if we, if we meet up for Nets fans also, if Knicks fans are engaged as well. No, we want to have, we, we, the, City of New York has not had a real Knicks versus Nets rivalry. Yeah, like and exactly. I, I think I think that how awesome that would be. I think like, that look at the look 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 at the Clippers Lakers rivalry. Look how much buzz that's generated around the league. Like last year, like yeah. everyone was talking about that constantly throughout their season. Imagine they had that on the other coast, on the East Coast, like in a year, a year, two years, three years. Maybe it's, it's definitely the Knicks a possibility. Can get, yeah. get to a similar level like the Nets, and they can meet up in like the conference finals or in the playoffs like, and have. Like, but the the problem I, the problem is. What free agents are going to be available? Because Giannis already well, signed. Listen, that's that. That's, but that's not about well, that. I mean, yeah. yeah, like, well, it's, I mean, you can just, you can just go and list out uh, however many free agents are coming up in the next year or two. We can just go through the list and see. But also, look at and... the Raptors. Look at the Raptors. The Raptors had a slow start. Clearly, they don't have that kind of team. But the Raptors are a really good team. They they have good coaching more than anything. They have good coaching and trust in their personnel. I, I... I, I think, personally think Nick Nurse is the best coach in the NBA. I right? think Nick Nick Nurse is going to be the next Greg Popovich when Greg Popovich is done. Like that's the kind of that's the kind of team that Toronto is going to be as long as he's there. That's my prediction. But I just want to go back. I think the most hyped that Nick's Nets rivalry has ever been was the like the very first matchup in Barclays Center where Jason Kidd hit the three. He had like he had like the, the that was a great kick, game. Kicked out his leg. I actually I'm not sure that the rivalry has really been 
that important since then. There's because there's never really was, been a rivalry. It was just, it's, it's it was just that first season when right Brooklyn the first two, the first to, season they were both because they were both playoff teams and then the the Nets have been in the playoffs more times. But let's be honest, I mean the there's really been nothing to smile at regarding the the Nets like playoffs like last year was just like pathetic in the bubble it was like the worst team in the bubble like like yeah. just like it was like carousel. I, I wouldn't say right I I wouldn't say that there as of yet is a Knicks Nets rivalry the the Knicks have to get better because the Nets no, the, the Nets are like in in my opinion they are the best team in in the NBA in terms of talent Absolutely. like pretty much head and shoulders um but was it 10 in a row they, today if, if they win no we lost no, against the Mavs they, they, they lost all oh, right, right right that's right that's right um, so the, the Knicks, if they can get a free agent, uh, next summer or the summer after that, and the Nets retain Kyrie and KD and James Harden, and they retain being the top of the NBA, I, I uh, assume then, they will. then, yeah, then that's, that's when we can see a, when, a when, when we win the chip, they're staying. When yeah, they're staying. we, I mean, so, so I, I think the next, um, Knicks and Nets game is coming up. March fourth, March, yeah, March fourth. No, Mar- no, Mar- no, March twenty fifth. March twenty fifth. Yeah, no, I got to mix March twenty fifth. Okay, but, but so like, so the, the end is, of the month. So e- that game like, is is gonna be really good. You should live stream that like, game. Like I yeah. wanted, to, like if we're talking about not even like free agents, like stars. We see stars get disgruntled all the time, like out of nowhere, like and, and demand trades. So the Knicks can become a destination, even when like when players when the Knicks were a joke, like players were still listing. The Knicks is like a preferred destination. Like Anthony Davis had the Knicks and the Lakers as like his main two destinations when he asked for a trade. Yeah, I heard they almost hung up obviously a banner. Pref- obviously, he preferred the Lakers, but like, listen, he's he was asking to go there. Like, mm-hmm. so just the, the fact that if the Knicks are a good team and they respect the team, like even more stars when they when they realize they want to they want to be traded from their current franchises, like the Knicks are going to be at the top of their list. I also yeah, want to. No, I also want to say you, this: you don't you don't want to like have. So, like, in that case, you don't want to be trading away your guys. You probably want to be signing guys from free agency to add yeah, to yeah, a, yeah. a uh, young uh, core. Yeah. I, I'm talking I, about, can, like, like franchise-altering players, like can, those kind of can guys. I, can I add something real quick? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. The biggest drawback to me for playing for the Knicks right now, one of them is their practice facility is in Westchester. Oh my dude, oh, shut come up. On, come stop, on. Stop. Stop. They have don't to move one of those guys. They don't have they have guys. to they have to move it don't to Don't pull the, that Jared no. Dudley yeah. bullshit. They have to move stop. that shit. They have to move it to the city. They have to. Who wants to play for the Knicks and live in fucking Westchester, bro? They don't live there. It's like a 30 minute drive from the facility. Yeah. It's not a big deal. Bro, I'm telling you if they move It doesn't it, make or break a guy's wanting to sign there. I, no, I'm telling you, I'm it, it's I, I think it's a slight factor in my opinion. Oh, it's not a huge one. I mean, like, like I, I do know that Julius Randle lives in Manhattan somewhere, like on, on the Upper East Side or Upper dude, West most Side. most of the guys, like, live in Manhattan. Yeah. Well, actually, I what I really want to say is, like, I, if, you know, one thing that has really impressed me about the, the Knicks has been the kinds of guys that they're getting production out of. They're getting production out of, for example, Nerlens Noel, who is basically completely discarded by the process. And, you know, now with Mitchell Robinson being hurt, you know, he's really been an enforcer for them. And he, like, he's putting up like important numbers. Like, yeah, it's not like off the like box score, like 20 and 20, but he he's making big defensive plays for them. in like the games that he started since the injuries, he's, he's, he's been amazing. Uh, yeah. He's been great. Mitch, Mitch I mean, Trevor. also like talk about Derek Rose as well. I know he's not starting. Definitely. He's on the decline of his career at, you know, 32 years old. I think we already talked about the trade, but Hey, I mean, you see the, the mentorship that he's giving to Emmanuel quickly is paying off. And like, I can't even say enough about Emmanuel quickly 
who is already like, uh, he's basically as good as Alfred Payton in his first season. I don't think anybody expected that <laughs> out of him. Like, like basically like, you know, and it's very hard to get minutes um, for a Tom Thibodeau team as a rookie. And he's outshining Alfred Payton, who is, you know, the starting player guard of the, of the team. And uh, I, I think that's really impressive. And especially considering like how like ghastly, like the Knicks development has been historically. I mean, like, for example, take a look at Kevin Knox, who's just like, just been vanishing from like a 13 point per game score to like, I don't even know he's, he hasn't even started a game this season. Right. Like, but I mean, I think that like this new um, culture that the Knicks have, and also like consider even, I read a fantastic article. I think it was by the athletic about Kenny Payne, like the, you know, the Kentucky connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The big man whisperer. Right. And I think that actually like when Ethan mentioned the Carl Anthony town stuff, I mean, if I recall correctly, he's from Kentucky. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that that's a little more meaningful. So like, like there, I really think like if you look at, and obviously, you know, the CAA connection with Leon Rose. So I really think that like, like you were saying, and I, I think at this point, it's a, even a little different than the Nets. Like the Knicks do not need to gamble on this, like full send, like, you know, clean sweep to quote the tweet, like for KD, they don't need to bet on that. They I really think, you know, they have good coaching. All they need to do now is just fo follow and respect Mike, um, Tom Thibodeau's vision for the team. Just follow that respect that give him the players he wants. And I think success will come. I think while the Nets are in the East, I don't see anybody giving up that crown. I mean, because I'm hoping for the Nets to win a ring. But damn it, it would be really nice to have a rival in the in the Knicks. I think that would be really fun. You know, I, I think that would be so, really awesome. So this this is actually I I know we want to move on to the Hawks, but this is something I just wanted to ask you guys really quickly. I wanted to get your opinions. Um, so obviously there's there's been a lot of discourse about the Porzingis trade, um, you know, during during the season and. You know, obviously, it gets clowned on a lot because the move was made, quote unquote, to create cap space for Katie and Kyrie. Like that was that was the plan all along for the Knicks, and they missed out. Obviously, those guys went to Brooklyn, but you know, the whole point of the Porzingis trade was not only for Katie and Kyrie, but it was to give them options in free agency. They didn't want to give Porzingis the five-year max. That was like that was the big issue for them. So the fact that they were able to use that cap space to get Julius Randle, who I don't even think is an argument, he's been more productive than Porzingis this year. Like Porzingis obviously hasn't been healthy, but he also has been one of the worst defenders in the NBA this year in terms of uh, efficiency rating. So, and so like it's, and obviously the shooting isn't that great either. Like he's very, very consistent there. So I just wanted to ask you guys, like, if let's say like, you know, you can say the Mavs have won the trade, but can we like take a step back maybe from like saying that the Knicks just got like absolutely fleeced and maybe just like wait a couple of years to see how these draft picks pan out? So I, I think... Well, first of all, um, uh, his shooting is not that bad. His effective field goal is like fifty-four percent. That's not that bad for a center for Chris Stapps. So I will say that. Um, yeah, I don't know. No. The 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 Knicks the Knicks simply did not. They did get fleeced. They got fleeced because at the time um, they didn't. Well, they didn't get anything back that they're using now, right? Like well, they, 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 they don't they, got, they don't have. Well, listen, who, who, do they, who do they have? The only like actual like physical asset that the Knicks got in that trade is not even on the team anymore. So they, they, I know Jordan, you you kind of have like um, you know sour grapes on your part. It's not, it's not sour grapes. It's, it's sour, not. You have you have some sour I, grapes. Do you do you want, do you want me to root for Porzingis to be you, successful? Is no, that you, what you want me to do? You, listen, bro, you definitely have sour grapes. I can hear when you talk about the trade. You definitely do. I hear it in your voice. But oh, there's listen the map the map. There's no way thirteenth this year. There's very, no a very good draft. There, there's no way there's no way around it. There's no way around it. And they got yeah, they, they and definitely don't, got and, and don't and don't sleep on the Mavericks because they're actually improving 
By the I'm way, not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. They're like. They're like. They're, they're like eight. They're eight and three in the in their last eleven in their last eleven yeah. games. So they're probably. I'm also, gonna, I'm also. I'm also not going to ignore the fact that the guy gets paid thirty three million dollars a year to be one of the worst defenders in the NBA. And he very right, might. Be, but, but the very but the might well get traded too. Yeah, but the thing and is, and he can't so, stay healthy. With your with your question, the Knicks absolutely did get uh, fleeced in that trade because they don't have any pieces that they got from that trade because. Chris Apps had trade value at that time, right? And they they got back some some crappy DeAndre Jordan and uh, Dennis Smith well, Jr. That, that, and, yeah, that was, that and, was like, just the create other guy who just, just right. But the but the thing is though is that even still, if they're still trying to get cap space, Chris Apps was an an all star at that time, and he had trade value, and the Knicks didn't get anything back. And the, the Knicks were not reason, in a the, the, the only way the Knicks were not in a bargaining position. Reason, the only reason, no, you do have a bargaining position because you're still trading away an all-star caliber player. You always have bargaining position when you're trading away someone with that level of skill. And the only reason why we're able to do this, this hindsight 2020 where, where oh, the Knicks actually kind of made out okay because Chris, uh, Chris Stapps is still kind of injured and is a, is a bad defender, all of this stuff. It's only because they, like, like let's, let's be honest, they got a little bit lucky that Julius Randle is actually a good player. They, but they, they, they didn't get lucky. They did get a little bit lucky because they drafted, you know, uh, quickly who is turning out to be a really good player. They did get a little lucky that they were able to get Tom Thibodeau and that the players were willing to buy into his system instead of times where like when he was in, in uh, Minnesota and ran everyone in, into the, the ground. Like, but the thing, they're, they're, I disagree. They're lucky, I disagree. They're, they're lucky I, that's not that luck. they have that's not the luck. personnel. That's not luck. Because sure it is. I, 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 no, it's I, I, not. I because if the, Nets, if the Nets would have had a trade that would have netted them a draft pick like that, we would all be praising it saying, oh, it's a Sean Marks genius. So it's not luck at all. It's a, it's a good draft. They made the most out of the resources they got. And here's the fact of the matter. Chris Stapps wanted out. You know, it's like with the Harden trade. Like, the, the what what did the Rockets get? At, you know, we're going to talk about this later, but what did they actually get out of that trade? They didn't get much. Oladipo they they got, like, eight draft picks. Yeah, they got picks, but okay, but again, you look at the Celtics. Celtics has got picks, too. What are the Celtics doing right now? They, they have Jason two All-Stars. And, and yeah, they have Brown two All-Stars, but how are they the, doing in the league the right other, now? And the other draft picks. Okay, well, first of all, the Boston Celtics made the Eastern Conference Finals last last year. That's and, not a ring. And 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 did so three okay, out that's of not the a ring. past four years. And this year is a little bit there, uh, a little bit slower because Kemba Walker is turning out to be kind of injured and not that good. But you can say that the Boston Celtics haven't done well off of that Brooklyn Nets trade. No, I'm not saying they haven't, but it, you know, having 13. picks, having picks, it's it's it it could be a recipe for success. I'm not saying you can, but it's it, you know they haven't come close. Right, to you're, you're 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 sticking a bit to my my point about like them getting lucky with with uh, quickly. It it is there is an element of luck, but there also is an an element of you know um, scouting, right? But what what I think that there that actually is a bit of luck here is that the players were willing to buy into the middle system and that they connected so well. That, that doesn't the, just, the just, thing is, just happen. Why, why is that luck, though? That's, hard, that's hiring a smart veteran coach who you know, like players. In Minnesota, respect, like, listen, I agree. So, I agree. So, Minnesota's been right, a joke so how come ever since it left. Right, but how come it didn't work in, in Minnesota? Because Minnesota's because a noxious culture and the team needs it. to get relocated because Minnesota's freaking horrible and people, like, top to bottom is rotten. Like, they've been treating their players like garbage since Kevin Garnett was there. It's, it's because like, the personnel didn't fit. And that you you don't you don't always have can control over. Sometimes the boss that you you uh, have like like you you don't just you don't mesh with them. Sometimes it just happens, and that is luck. That's not like like obviously the the Knicks made 
obviously a, a good decision, but also back then we didn't think like, like most people weren't blown away by Tom Thibodeau as a hiring for the Knicks again, because hindsight is well, he was seen as old and we, we see that the Knicks are doing well back then at the immediate hire. Was everyone so enthralled about this, Jordan? Can you uh, remind us? No, was was, no, listen, was like the the Knicks fandom were they like super hyped about this? So, no, uh, so no, so no, it, no, no, they, no. like so, so like I'll some say. somewhere somewhere. Yeah, go ahead. So I'll say, this. listen, I wasn't like over the moon about the hire, but I wasn't like right. some in the like NBA Twitter circles where like they were like, oh, this is a garbage hire. This is like what the hell are the Knicks doing? It was you know it was whatever. It was like you know what I preferred maybe a smarter, young, younger, more analytically driven coach, right. sure. But like Thibodeau has, listen, he's gotten the most he could. He's milked every ounce out of this roster that he can. But this and is why they hired him. They hired him he's... for the culture. They hired him yeah. for the culture. This is exactly. But but that's, I don't think... but that's where the luck aspect comes in, where the connection, the the meshing, that's the luck. That's where you. But you I mean, that's why also why they hired. The, Obviously, but you that's have to why they hired your, Kenny your Payne. and like that's hire, why they hired Mike Woodson, right, a, a good like assistant coaching staff surrounding. A veteran experience. Yeah, it's coach. it's it's also it's it's so, not it's not just Thibodeau. Like Johnny Bryant, their associate head coach, yeah. he was there. He was the main guy behind Quinn Snyder in Utah for a few years. He was key for Donovan Mitchell, Gordon Hayward, Damian Lillard, all their developments. Like, and they, they also brought back Mike Woodson, who was a really smart offensive mind. He's, he he was obviously. I mean, he knows yeah, Dolan he also, too. Yeah, he has that connection with Dolan. Kenny Payne, who David talked about, he's like, no, like Julius Randle is talking about it. Kenny Payne coming back and being with him, like he was so comfortable with him in Kentucky. Now having him back in the league is just, it's, it's helped him a lot. Emmanuel quickly coming from Kentucky, having a familiar face and all those Kentucky guys around him has done a lot for him and seeing someone like, no, those are smart hires. Yeah. Those are really good hires. I mean, you look at, look across the river, right? I mean, uh, Steve Nash has Mike D'Antoni, who's like his basketball father. He has Amari Stoudemire behind him. Like that's not necessarily luck. That's just surrounding yourself with people who are most likely to, to be successful. So I think credit should be given where it's due. Like I wouldn't say, you know, the, the Nets hire Kenny Atkinson, that was all luck because this, he had the vision for the culture. That's exactly what worked. I, I mean, it is luck in a sense, like, you know, when the vision doesn't pan out, but I think this is exactly what they were going for and it's paying off. And I mean, I actually, while we're on the topic of coaching, I do want to transition to our, our next topic, because like I said, Lloyd Pierce has been fired from the Atlanta Hawks. And while we're talking about good coaching, I, you know, Jordan predicted that the Hawks would not be good despite, you know, we talked about in the season preview. I know uh, Matt, Ethan, you guys were very high on the Hawks, um, but we look at the Hawks right now and clearly there's, there's a lot to be desired. You know, they are 14 and 20. There's no clear vision. I mean, you know, Trey Young, I think is like one of the most like despised players on this podcast. Like we all, I think we all just hate watching him play. So um, guys, let's hear like what, what's going wrong with the Hawks and like, how can they write the ship? Not, not not surprising uh Lloyd Pierce got fired. Um they you know they won like thirty-five games the first year uh with uh Trey Young and he was the all-star starter or something. No, he wasn't the uh, his second year he was all the starter. But then the next year they were they were dog shit, had the worst record in the NBA, and Trey Young was the all-star starter. And this year they got off to a, a nice start. They started off four and one, then they were ten and nine, and now they're 14 and 20. Go do the math. They they fell off. They they played like shit. So you know when you have Lloyd Pierce saying before the season that they're gonna make the playoffs and they're really not in position to do it, then yeah, you're gonna end up getting fired. I don't think Lloyd Pierce is a is a very good coach in my opinion. Um were the Hawks having some problems with some injuries and stuff um in during the season, yes, but 
you know, good coaches overcome those type of stuff. And, you know, they at least try to stay at least, you know, at that 500 level if you have some of your players injured. And Boyd didn't do that. So now they have Nate McMillan coming into the interim, who's the assistant. And uh, I don't know. Nate McMillan is a very defensive-minded coach, and Trey Young can't guard anybody. So I don't really know um, what's going to happen now with this roster. Hopefully he could turn around. Um, They have the talent. The Hawks have the talent to be a good team, but I'm just not 100% sold on uh, Trey Young being your number one option. And it remains to be seen. I know Jordan thinks the same. So, uh, yeah, Jordan, chime in real quick. I mean, yeah, listen, I'm just the uh, – I'm, I'm the real profit here. I told you guys you, you were hyping up the Hawks as, like, this team that could be, like, a 5-6 seed in the East. And I told you I, I thought of them as, like, a f- like literally, like, a ceiling of, like, maybe an 8 seed. I just I, – I, I didn't see it for them, mostly because, like you mentioned, Ethan, Trey Young, I cannot stand watching that guy play basketball. He is constantly baiting the refs into getting foul calls. Like he's just with, with those bullshit moves that he pulls, he might be the worst defensive player in the NBA. He, the guy, even when he tries, like cannot defend. He's lucky that Isaiah Thomas is in the league because he's, he, he's, he's definitely the worst. Um, so like, and also I just see them overpaying middling veterans like Gallinari. Like Gallinari is a nice player, but listen, they paid him, they gave him $44 million guaranteed over two years that I think it was, was a mistake for them. I didn't see the, the plan in that Rondo is, you know, he had a really nice playoff run and he knew he was going to get some money off of that. I just thought it was stupid for the Hawks to be the team to do that. I just thought, I thought it should have been a team that was more um, locked, locked in as a contender. I didn't I really see the Hawks as that team. Bogdanovich, I thought was probably one of their smart pickups, but unfortunately he's been hurt for most of the year, but it still doesn't help their defense. The fact that they have the 25th ranked defense in the league, Bogdanovich isn't going to help that. I mean, I think the fact that Clint Capella is the only reason they're not dead last in the NBA defensively. Um, so, you know, that's never really going to solve their problems. Cam Reddish took a pretty step, big step back. He's regressing. Um, and I, I just don't like this quick fix, throwing a Band-Aid on it, like overpaying middling, middling veterans. You have to want to wanna make it work organically with like, you know, drafting the right way. You know, you see the draft this year, there's like five, five or six guys that have a chance to be like franchise altering players. This draft is really top heavy. Um, so it's it just, I'm not, I'm not saying they should outright tank, but they shouldn't be just going for this quick fix either. Yeah. The, the thing with the, the thing with building any sort of team is you can't have all of the guys be young guys. Right. So I think that in the off season, it made a lot of sense to sign a guy like Gallinari because you have Trey young and John Collins and coming into the season, you, you thought you had Cam Reddish and, uh, you know, they got DeAndre Hunter and they have Kevin Herter, who's a young guy, Okongu, who's a young guy, um, Bogdanovich, who they signed, but he's also young. He's like in his in his mid-20s. Um, and they they have uh, they, they also signed Rajon Rondo, who's another one of that uh, veteran presence. So um, it makes sense to balance a team uh, like that has a young core with veteran leadership. It's, it's, I, I don't want to like uh, go back to the the Knicks, but it's similar to what they're doing in New York with signing Derek Rose because it's a complementing a young core. Right. Um, but the problem with the Hawks though, is they're still a good team, but they, they blow leads, right? Like they are, they they blew leads to the to the Knicks and they blew leads to the the Cavaliers. They they were winning by like multiple by double digits in the third quarter and they they just they just give it up. Um, I think personally that's a symptom of being a young team. 
and having a superstar who is awful on defense because when the opposing team not not if when the opposing team starts to make a run uh your best guy needs to be able to step up and put a stop to that on the defeat on the defensive side as well not just on the offensive side so um that's where Trey Young really has to step up uh he Trey Young I think also has to learn to to not get all of his points by drawing fouls because it takes your team out of rhythm as well and you know that's a a, a big thing I think I think a nice step in his development uh would be if he learns how to play like off the ball somehow if he can be like a spot up shooter because he he is he is a good shooter he he does he he does make shots at a high clip uh i i think that would be really nice for them uh if if he can learn to play a little more off ball with like next to Rajon Rondo maybe so i i think that the the hawks again i think this season is just, is very strange with covid and uh, there are a lot of teams that are better than their record suggests. Like I think Boston, I think that they're better than their record suggests. Uh, two, three weeks ago, when the the Raptors and the Heat were still pretty bad, I was saying right right here on this podcast that I I know that they're better than their record suggests, and they're going to right the ship eventually. And what happens? They they actually did. And the the Heat are on a, a six game like five game win streak, and the Raptors were on one recently as well. So. I think that the Hawks are also in that, in that, um, you know, in that collection of teams that are better than their record suggests. Uh, they they easily could have won a, a, a few of those games that they were winning by double digits so late in the the game, and they just they just blew it. So, um, I I think that firing the coach makes sense because when you're when you're not just getting blown out from beginning to end. It's there. There's usually something with the actual structure of the of the the coaching. It, it's it's not. It's it like the 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 coaching has to step in to right the ship when things like that are happening, and it makes sense that they're moving away from uh you know that coach. So I I think that they have to find someone who has that veteran leadership to uh to steady the young guys. Because the young guys do have a lot of talent. Like Trey Young, as much as you guys like to shit on him, he is a he's a phenomenal player. And for someone his age who knows how to get to, to the line as often as he does, um, that is at an invaluable skill. Being able to get to the line at will and and give your team points at will, he knows how to do that years beyond his his time. And that's that's going to become more of an asset for him. Like he he has he has to figure it out. Like he's this is his his third year. He's small. Um, he he has to he has to figure it out into his his game. He's he's not done growing. He's not done improving. This is only going to be one asset, uh, one facet of his uh, of his game. And um, Trey Young, I think, still has a lot of potential, and he's he's going to improve, especially if he uh, can shore up his defense a little bit too. I think but that's like, true. I don't know. I definitely think Matt has a point. Like, I think that, um, and you know, fourteen and twenty is nothing to to cry home about. I mean, actually, uh, it's, you know, it's not terrible. It's not terrible. There's still plenty of time. I mean, like Ethan said, I mean, the, the mm-hmm. East is here is like historically bad. Like, you know, the fact that there's only four teams above five hundred, four or five teams above five hundred, is it's a it's a joke. Like to say the least. Um, very top heavy season. But I mean, I actually now with this firing, I'm thinking about the Sacramento Kings, who are. 13 and 21 directionless 13 in the Western conference. I mean, Luke Walton, he probably should get fired. I mean, 
Here's a fun fact. Did you guys know that Jabari Parker was on the Kings? Did you know that? Dude, I actually I actually saw it like two days ago. I saw it like when when they played the Kings, when when the Knicks played the Kings, I saw that Jabari Parker was on the uh statue and I was like, "Wait, he plays for them because yeah. I don't think I, I don't I don't think he's gotten off the bench this year. He he's had two games. He's averaged twelve minutes per game, and he has averages four points. He scored eight total points this season. And you also you can look at guys like Glenn Robinson, uh, Corey Joseph. I mean, like basically like <laughs> this. All these names from like five years ago have like made their way there. Norvell Pell, Nets legend. Uh, he's currently playing with the Kings as well. So like they're just directionless. I mean, if there was a single team. Uh, like that should be booted as like Alaska. It would be the Kings, like without a doubt. Like I can't believe they've been like unsuccessful for basically nearly two decades. And uh, you know, there's there's absolutely no fix to that. So like thinking about the Hawks, the fact that they are making a change is at least kind of inspiring because I feel like you know it would be very easy for them to just say, okay, well this is year one. You know, we made all these hirings. You know, we we signed all these guys, and you know we're waiting for them to click. And I think you know this is the kind of things that 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 a franchise that wants to win should be doing. Um, yeah, I mean, just, just, just talking about the Kings, you know, um, I think when we're looking at, uh, potential franchise, you know, guys, I don't think De'Aaron Fox is a, necessarily a franchise altering player. He's our um, only player really that matters. Yeah, look at Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald is he, begging for a max contract and he's stinking it up right now. So like, yeah. the, the, the thing is with like, with Fox, it's, just, it's such a shame to see his early years being wasted because he's, you know, if we're, if we're looking at the, the all-star spots, I know when Anthony Davis, he got hurt. Everyone knew he was going to need a replacement. I think the three guys or the four guys actually that considered the most, deserve the most consideration were Booker who obviously got it. And then probably DeRozan, Conley and Fox. So the fact that he was even in consideration, you know, it's, it says a lot about De'Aaron Fox as a player, especially in that organization. Um, and obviously, Mar- Marvin Bagley is, is the biggest issue with that team because not not only because the way he's been playing, but just looking at the guy that the Kings passed over for him, Luka Doncic. Like, imagine if Luka was playing in Sacramento with the Aaron Fox. Like, how dynamic of a duo that would be in the backcourt. Like, they would be such a fun team to watch. And Bagley, meanwhile, is he's an okay offensive player, but he literally cannot move his feet defensively. I saw him play against the Knicks the other day, and I. I remember I was texting Ethan. I was like, yo, this guy has to be straight up the worst defender in the NBA. And then I went and I checked. And of course, he has the worst defensive rating in the NBA. Also, so, his dad anyway. puts like LeVar Ball to shame too. Yeah. Yeah. His dad just like, oh, he, if the coach should be fired or you should trade Marvin. Like, yeah. dude, Mar- Marvin your son, your son sucks. Ball. Like your son, your son is not good at, ba- at like NBA basketball right now. You, you are not in the place to demand trades or demand coaches be fired. Yeah, it's just, it's just it's just a shame to see the Kings. I mean, they're kind of like the Knicks of the West, where they just ever since like those early two thousands teams were battling with the Lakers in the conference finals. Like ever since then, they've just been a joke. Nah, dude, they're way worse. They're way worse because yeah. at least you know I I like I don't think anything has been less ceremonious than what they did to Demarcus Cousins, a guy who literally was like you know the heart and soul of the team, like like legitimately one of like the like top ten players in the league, and they basically just like you know discarded him like nothing and and. uh yeah, I think that's just like, and also, I mean, Vladi Divac is just like horrible, terrible. You know, they built a brand new arena because like of the, the, the relocation rumors and like, I don't know, they're, they're just like, they're directionless. Like, you know, all this chatter now about Seattle eventually getting a team, you know, now that the NBA needs money from COVID, like, you know, I don't even think they need to expand They just send like Seattle or Minnesota to like, uh, I mean, sorry, send like Minnesota or Sacramento to Seattle and just like, you know, rebrand them. Like nobody needs either of those teams. Yeah. 
what is what is like who's the who's the king's best player in history like oscar roberts oscar robertson like fucking 50 years ago you know 60 years ago sorry at this point like i mean chris chris weber probably had the most impact on them yeah sure and i mean chris weber i don't even think has made the hall of fame yet so like what does that say like uh I don't know. I, 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 yeah, it's just a shame. I think like Luke Walton, I think this, this Lloyd Pierce stuff, it probably means that he's on the hot seat. And I mean, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I feel like all the firings are going to come this month, you know, as uh, some, some, some teams are going to be looking to hold people accountable. I mean, it just yeah, shows like basketball is break, right? Yeah, probably. They, they, they have to, they, he can't be the coach for much longer. Like, I mean, his, did he really do anything with the Lakers either? Like no, they, like, he was horrible. He was, I think I think the 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 mystique with him comes when uh, Steve Kerr couldn't coach for like yeah. those twelve games and he went undefeated. But that, that let, let's, one of the greatest teams ever. He hasn't had a winning real. season. He has not had a winning season let, in five seasons. Let, let's be real, guys. I could have coached that team in one eleven straight. Okay. So, Anyone could have. Like all, yeah, all you needed was someone to sit on the bench wearing a suit and say like. Curry, just keep doing what you're doing. Clay, <laughs> just can just continue. You you guys got it. I'm just I'm just gonna sit here and drink my my beer. Yeah, like, you know like also that's, that's that's all they needed to to do. But also, if you look at uh, at the teams he's coached, uh, he has a career like win loss of 142 and 210. I'm looking at Basketball Reference now. You know, there's also this cool metric about like wins like against 500 teams, like over 500 teams, and he has like negative uh, 34 wins. So he's uh, on average there is whole career he's had like 34 extra net losses um than like at 500 which is uh you know it's a testament to like you know his teams he's played they they just cannot com- compete they simply cannot compete and i think like it's time for sacramento to have a change but you talk about the kings and i like like i said about minnesota they're just directionless they're rotten at the core and they're like one of those franchises that really there is no hope there is absolutely no hope at least with and the thing is at least with the knicks they had that new york name like like jordan said and he's absolutely right because new york no matter what like yankees fans say new york was is and always will be a basketball city more than anything more than anything you know ever since basketball was invented as a sport and came here that's the sport of new york you know everybody knows new york hoops and all that but like is that true with sacramento is that true with minnesota i don't think so so like these are just like like they're really directionless franchises and you know we see that like ryan saunders been fired Lloyd Pierce has been fired, and now you just have to wonder whether Luke Walton is going to lose his job as well. All right. You know, um, I do want to move on to the next topic, uh, uh, which is Victor Oladipo. Uh, He turned down a uh, contract with the Rockets. He turned down two years, 45.2 mil. Um, He's currently averaging 19 points per game, uh, 36% from three and 42% from the field, which are definitely not great numbers, but keep in mind, you know, he is coming back from injuries uh, that he sustained over the last season. And, uh, you know, good move for him, bad move for him. Is this a gamble? What do we think? And obviously the Rockets have been, like, piss poor, horrible as well. Just, you know, they, they kind of were showing some promise in the wake of the Harden trade, but they've just been a disastrous team. I think they recently lost by 49 points or something like that to the Wizards. So let's talk about Grizzlies. the Rockets a little bit. Oh, it was the Grizzlies. Yeah, it was the Grizzlies. Let's talk about um, Yeah, I'll start. Um, listen, it's not surprising that he rejected it because he wants to get a max. But do I think it's a good move? No, it's not because I don't think that he's a max player anymore after he got injured. It just really hasn't been the same. So if I, I would have taken that deal if I were him, because I I don't think anybody's gonna offer him a max. Like who's gonna offer him a max? He's he's not a max player anymore. Where you know that year in Indiana when he was like what third team or second team All NBA that year, like he's just not that player anymore. So in, in my opinion, it's just uh, not a great move for him. And the Rockets have been shit ever since Christian Wood got injured. 
that's the guy that should be offering the max contract to. Christian Wood, he's going to be very good. Victor Oladipo, no, I'm sorry. But, uh, yeah, Matt, what do you think? I think that Victor Oladipo, I mean, he strikes me as a pretty smart guy. He's he's pretty talented, like, not just in basketball. Like, he he does, like, all of these, these other things. Um, and I think that what he was trying to do is get a longer contract not just a two-year thing. I think he was hoping for like a four-year, maybe even at like a less a year amount, like uh, like let's say four-year at 80 instead of two-year at 45. So the average year is 20 instead of 24. But I think um, if, if I had to imagine that's what he was kind of going for, um, he's clearly not worth the, the max. That's, that's for sure. Um, I, I do hope that at some point he can get back to his Indiana days. I think that for a lot of players, um, this year is, is kind of, is kind of tough. So I think that maybe, um, I think that the, maybe after like a real off season and, uh, like being able to practice with your, your usual guys in ways that you're accustomed to that might get him back to a little bit of what he was before. Um, but I think what it, what this kind of strikes me as though is he wants to leave Houston because he sees that it's about to be a dumpster fire with no talent whatsoever. Uh, John Wall has been disappointing. He, he hasn't, he's, he actually, it hasn't really recovered from his, uh, injuries. Sadly, um, there's, there's flashes you see now and again, but it, it, it's not really the same. And I think that Oladipo knows that he can get a, a longer contract somewhere else. And I agree with him. I think that he still has a lot of value left. He's, he's not that old yet. And there is going to be some team that's, that's going to be willing to pay him four years, 80 million. And I think that that's what he's kind of going for. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with Matt on the point of Oladipo probably sees that the Rockets are getting to a point where they're just going to be a joke for the next two or three years and just going to a basically full on rebuild outside of maybe John Wall. You know, you see, you see, he, he's got too big of a contract to even like move him. Maybe they get some team to bite on him in the near future. Who knows? Um, but there's, you know, there's been a lot of whispers over the last, I'd say, six, seven months. Like I remember we saw, we talked about it during the offseason, like Oladipo was walking up to guys after games and being like, yo, can I come hoop with your team? And stuff like that. Like he wanted to get traded from Indiana. And he was like specifically talking about Miami a lot. Miami apparently is where he lives in the offseason and he like loves it down there. So that's, he won't, and he, I think he's friendly with Jimmy Butler. So he wants to go play down there. And the Knicks have been also mentioned as a team he's interested in. So it seems like he's really just, you know, interested in getting out of Houston and, and being in a big market where he can showcase himself a little bit more. Um, because Matt said, like, listen, he's not, it's not just basketball, he's talented in a lot of other areas. So yeah, but he can... the thing is, he's not worth a max contract. I think you know, no, yeah, but it's also not. about the security. And you know, the thing is, also, I think, I, you know, this kind of in a way reminds me, you guys remember when Jimmy Butler, I think it was his last year in Chicago, he also rejected an extension. And like he said, you know, I'm gonna bet on myself, he had a good season, and and then he did get a max. I think, you know, while we're talking about Jimmy Butler, and soon we'll talk about the Miami Heat, who have been been surging, we will touch that in a second, but. You know, looking at Victor Oladipo, um, I think he definitely is making a gamble on himself. And I think, you know, more than ever, you could even considering the coronavirus, I think like, you know, you can be out of the league so quickly. So, you know, why not just secure the bag? Uh, because you never know. I mean, we were talking about Blake Griffin, like Blake Griffin, man has a max contract. He's been objectively terrible, but like the only solution for teams to offload him is basically to give him his money. 
so, you know, I think in, in that kind of sense, you know, even though you're not necessarily making as much money in the short term, you know, if he kind of has that secure kind of income, if that's what Oladipo is looking for, and if he's just looking for a change of environment, because like, consider James Harden didn't think he could win with the Rockets. So what makes you think that he that, you know, a John Wall led team is going to do anything? Of course, it's not going to do anything. So, you know, Oladipo um, wanting to go out, I, I think is, uh, I think it's a smart decision for him on a personal level. You know, I think like, why not? He, he should take initiative of his career, especially coming off an injury. I think it would be great, quite frankly, to see him in a place like New York or in Miami. I think he would ha- be a really awesome fit for those teams. Even if he's not quite the player he was in Indiana, I still think that he would be a definitive upgrade. And if we say he's not worth a max and especially, you know, he would be a great fit for those teams because they don't have to like shoot themselves in the foot like salary wise. I mean, think I'm actually thinking about it. The more I think about the New York thing, it actually makes a lot of sense. Like if they don't necessarily pay the max for him, I think he would be a huge upgrade for him. I mean, sure. His shooting isn't fantastic. And obviously, like we said, I he's mean, not. Yeah. You, you, you put him next to RJ, like, you know, you play all the, the two RJ to three. I think that could be, I, I wouldn't, he would be a very he's a he's a starter. I mean, I mean he's still a starter. Like, I, I give him I give him around like twenty million a year for a few years. Like I wouldn't be mad at that. But, you know, he's still I mean, even even with the injuries, yeah. like you said, he's still like he's still I don't know if he's an all-star caliber player. Maybe that year was a little bit fluky where he made the all-star team, but he's a really good high quality starter. I mean, he still could be what did he turn down? He turned down basically twenty two mils. So I mean if if he yeah. if he got like a four year eighty five million dollar contract, yeah. basically a you little bit with, less. You can, you can live with that. Right. And you can live with that. I think that that just puts uh you know New York outside of like their their salary uh because they're I think they're, they're like eleven they're, million there's like, they're fifteen million under under the cap right, right now. Right. So I mean they there's there's they're in great shape basically for a contract like that. And I think he would be like a definitive upgrade for this Thibodeau offense. But I, I and certainly for Miami too, I think he would be great too. But I mean, like, let's talk about Miami, uh, because they are seventeen to seventeen. They're on a six-game win streak, and of course, they were the. They made the finals last year, so we have to ask: Are they getting back to that championship form? Is this you know Heat culture? Is this is it taking over again? They're basically at full strength again as well. Um, oh, and you know, speaking about the Miami Heat, I actually did want to ask a question. I just remembered. About I, yesterday, there was something on like basketball Twitter about whether Julius Randle right now was better than peak Chris Bosh. And I actually want to know what you guys think about let's, that. Let's, yeah, that's not, that, let's, that, that's like a stupid let's pump Twitter the thing. Break, okay. No, because there are a lot on. of, I would say there were, I, I, obviously, I think Chris Bosh, Chris Bosh is one of the most underrated players ever. Like he, he is the blueprint for the modern NBA center. Like Chris Bosh in today's NBA would be amazing to watch. I mean, I, you know, I, I was reading Heat fans saying like they have like wet dreams of like Bam Adebayo and Chris Bosh, like a, a, an older Chris <laughs> Bosh, like not having blood clots, like 36, you know, like having like, you know, like a 15 and 10 season right now, like, like being a, like a mentor to Bam and stuff like that. Um, I, I mean, yeah, you know, when Chris Bosh made the move to Miami, I think what a lot of people don't realize is that he was being heralded as the next Tim Duncan. In, in, you know, he had like TJ Ford as his next best. TJ Ford and Andrea Bargnani were like his next two best scorers around him. He was like literally being heralded as like the next Tim Duncan. And so, like, him basically making a career sacrifice to win rings, I think a lot of people don't realize like how good he was or how important he was, but he is literally the modern NBA blueprint. Okay, I'm glad we got that out of the way. I, I was hoping that we would all agree. Um, no disrespect to Julius Randle, of course, but like Chris Bosch is like one of like all time like most underrated players ever. But going back to the Miami Heat, like, is this legit? Like, can we expect to see the Miami Heat at the top of this, like, paltry Eastern Conference? They're obviously a good team. They're obviously a good team. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, you know, not to take anything away from their accomplishment last year. They got to the finals, but that was a fluke. I mean, the bubble was a very weird situation. 
And it was like just like the perfect situation for the Miami Heat and their mentality to get all the way to the finals. I think they approached it the best way and they made it. And they overcame uh, a lot of odds to make it to the finals. Do I think that they're going to be a championship team? No, but they could be like, you know, they could be the fourth seed. Uh, they could definitely be the fourth seed and be a tough out for sure. But I don't, I don't think this team is going to sniff the finals again this year. Well, Matt. they were the fifth seed uh, last season and they made the, the finals or the, yeah, but the fourth seed, something like that. So I, I think that um, the Heat are still going to keep rising. I think that they're going to max out at the fourth seed just because that <clears throat> just because that there's a lot of um, like separation already between the Bucks, Nets, and Sixers and the rest of the East. But I, I think that the Heat will end up getting the fourth seed, and I'll I'll probably say that the the Raptors or Celtics will end up getting number five. Um, but the Heat are going to be. They're they're gonna make it to the the second round. Which whichever of those two or three, even by some miracle, the the Knicks end up with the fifth seed. The the Heater are gonna beat the Celtics, Raptors, or the the Knicks and make it to the second round. And that second round series against either Philly or Brooklyn, that is gonna be crazy. That will be a seven game series because the Heat are still a very tough out, like you said, uh, because <clears throat> because Jimmy Butler, as we know, as we all saw, is is still a phenomenal player, all-star caliber player, superstar caliber player uh, in, in terms of the impact he makes on a team and Bam Adebayo, the, the same thing. And the Heat are finally, um, you know, they're, they're back from that, uh, you know, crazy COVID situation they were dealing with early in the year. They, they just got, you know, some pretty crummy luck. Um, but the, the Heat are, are back now and they're, they're flying to the top of the standings and, um, I would not be surprised if they uh, if they surprise people again and make it all the way to the, the conference finals. The, the Heat are still a strong team. Tyler Hero has has improved this year. Um, a, a lot like of I said, he were, were saying it was a bubble fluke. I disagree. Uh, and, and it wasn't uh, he he's he isn't playing quite at the bubble level, but it's 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 pretty close. And he's absolutely improved since last season. Uh, so it clearly wasn't all fluke, and it just just bottom line, the the Heat are are still a very strong team, and people kind of just were ignoring them because they had a really bad start. Uh, but they're they're so really good, and they they will again surprise a lot of people who are writing them off. I absolutely agree, and I also I completely disagree with you, Ethan, because I think in order to win in that bubble, you need to have that championship level resilience. You needed to have that championship level teamwork. Like I don't think we just call it a fluke that they defeated in seven game series teams that were objectively better than them on paper. So, you know, I, I don't see why they couldn't do it again. I would not, I would not like take them lightly. I think that this is definitely a legit surge. And this is again, what I was saying at that time that we were making all these predictions about the heat and the Mavericks uh, and all these other teams that didn't start off so hot. Like it was just so early in the season. And even at the halfway mark, I still think there's, there's so much that can change. If if I can just say one thing as as a Nets fan and speaking to two other Nets fans, um, that's Jordan. We don't care about Jordan. <laughs> um, we we should be as as Nets fans. We should be most concerned about the Miami Heat, in my opinion. I think that the Miami Heat get, would give us the most trouble. I think the Sixers first. I I don't think about I I don't think the Sixers because I I think that uh that Jimmy Butler as a lockdown defender is going to and like like not only just a, because I know that Ben Simmons is a lockdown defender as as well but Jimmy Butler has that like has that mentality 
has that winner mentality and the the heat overall i think it just has like a better roster even though that philly has a better record right now i i just it's just like something about miami it was it was also the the same thing in the bubble last year like they the bro people don't season, understand jimmy was, butler they were like a fissy yeah right exactly they just don't because people think people are like and, oh well he 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 averages 19 points per game and and right, you yeah, know darren fox realize, averages yeah, darren fox averages 24 so darren mm-hmm. fox is better but like the thing about jimmy butler like yeah. i said this several times on the podcast he is the player you need him to be when you need him to be that player. You need him to score zero points, but lock down the te- other team's best player. He's going to give you 100%. You need him to outmatch LeBron, like first guy in like NBA history since LeBron has been in the league, like in the finals, to like outperform him in every statistical category in the finals. Like Jimmy Butler can be that guy. He can be whoever mm-hmm. you need him to be. And that's what makes him so scary. That's why you can't just look at the numbers. You have to look at the, the player. Like I, I do agree. Only reason why I would say that this I'm a little more worried about the Sixers is one man, and that is Joel Embiid. If he is healthy, we're looking at maybe a 40 and 20 average in a seven-game series potentially against uh, the Nets. Like they legitimately, uh, the thing, they legitimately the have the no Sixers, answer though, for him. And the, and the it, thing with the Sixers, though, is is that I really don't think that Doc Rivers is a is a good coach. I I think that he just fumbles any opportunity that he has, and um, if if his team doesn't have an overwhelming talent advantage over the other team they they ain't going far i mean they did with la and and they still suck and and looking and right exactly so that clippers team um, with like with reddick at at miami with eric spolstra so you you have like you know pretty much the best coach in in the nba ethan i i think that spolstra is better than nick nurse um uh they and 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 bama Adebayo is a defensive-minded center he's like they they have just a great roster surrounding Butler and um you know Bam and the the Heat just they they have that experience too they they have that they they prove that they have that championship pedigree so I I think as as Nets fans we should be most concerned about Miami honestly more so than Milwaukee more so than than Philly because because Philly still hasn't hasn't proven they have that it factor yet and Miami has. Dude, I'm just, you know, uh, David mentioned the finals game. I was, I was just, I'm thinking about now game five, what a legendary performance he had. Like, that, that, that was insane. Yeah, were, that was that, an that was awesome terrible. game to watch. I, yeah, yeah. I know, I know we're, rooting, we're rooting for the Lakers to win, but that was just amazing to watch Butler uh, yeah. outmatch LeBron. Um, but talking about the Heat this year, I think I agree with the point that they're probably the, going to end up with the number four seed. I think also Eric Spolcher is the best coach in the NBA. He's the best at making adjustments especially in-game, he'll adjust to your adjustments. Like, so, so he, he's a really smart coach. And Jimmy Butler, like, ever since he came back from his uh, COVID diagnosis, he's averaging, I think, 29-9 and and 45% shooting. And the thing is with Jimmy Butler, not only does he, like, up his defense and, like, playmaking during the playoffs, but he also just – he doesn't shoot threes at all in the regular season. He does this every year. He doesn't shoot threes in the regular season. And all of a sudden in the playoffs, he'll start putting up, like, four or five threes a game. And like doing just throwing defenses off, and it, it's the funniest thing to watch because teams are just so confused. So that's I, I I'm just thinking about it, imagining like if let's say the Bucks and the Heat meet up again in the second round, and the and the Heat take them down again, they will. Like just just the way Twitter would explode, like especially with Giannis, he just hitting into his extension, he would like get knocked out in the second round three years in a row. Like that, that would be. I see Ethan smiling right now. I know he's. I know he's laughing because he thinks Giannis all he does is dumb. But dude, like, like, but. bro, Jimmy Butler. You, there is a case to be made that he has like that. That he's the first person since Kobe Bryant himself to really have that Mamba mentality. 
Dude, he's a, he's a dog. Like he's no, he's like no, he's like truly like 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 one of the most terrifying players to to match up against. Like and again, it's like numbers don't show everything, but he is he is like one of the truly elite like in all facets of the game. He's one of those players like truly elite at 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 every like aspect. He there he doesn't have like any significant weaknesses in this game. And you know what's scary is Bam Adebayo is becoming that kind of player too. Like Matt called him a defensive minded center, but what's scary about Bam is that his offensive game is pretty freaking good too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. By the way, Jimmy Butler for this season is averaging twenty, eight and eight, and two steals. Yeah, that's. I mean, again, you know, people eight, eight towards at, eight assists. The, people like, look, this, this guy literally does everything. Like, yeah, like and, you said, and, 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 you know, Swiss Army knife. And people are gonna look. Yeah. People are gonna look at the twenty points and say, "Oh, you see, he's not an elite scorer." But like, people just don't understand. That's not how basketball works. Like, like you know, it, it's you know, twenty points on one team is not the same as twenty points on the other on another team. That's just fact. Yeah, and, and the thing is, like, you know, th- there's a famous quote that um, hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard. And I think Jimmy Butler is that in a nutshell. Like, he's not the most athletic guy. He's not the best shooter. He's not, like, he, you know, he, he's not um, beating guys off the dribble every single game. But he's probably one of the hardest workers in the league. Like, the, the way you see, I, I watched some of his YouTube videos. He's getting up at 3, 4 in the morning to go work out in the gym. And that's like, you, you mentioned it, like Kobe. He, was, he just gets up super early in the morning. All he thinks about is being the best version of himself. And, like, if, if he's not the most talented guy, he's, you know, he knows he's going to outwork everybody else, especially in the playoffs. And that, that's what I love about Miami. I think even if they're a 4, 5, 6 seed, like, they're, they're going to be such a tough out in the playoffs just because they – and Bam is like that too. Bam just – he sees the way Jimmy works and he wants to be like that. And I think having Jimmy around has really helped build up his career. I mean, you see the extension that he got in the offseason, and he, he's been well worth it so far at this point. Yeah, he's been a absolutely. two-way stud for them. Um, so I think having him and just that Miami mili- – the, the way Pat Riley built it, it was kind of like a military atmosphere, just constant hard work. That, that's just the perfect recipe for a team that's really tough in, in the postseason. And dude, you know what? That's exactly why we watch basketball. We don't just watch it for like the amazing moments. We watch it to see guys grind and like, you know, overcome odds. That's why Ethan gets so mad seeing Giannis just go year after year unsuccessfully in the playoffs. Somebody with that kind of talent. Like that's why Jimmy Butler, that's why everybody loves Jimmy Butler. That's why everybody hates Paul George, dude. Because, you know, it's all about like, like Paul George, super talented. But, you know, when it matters most, he chokes. And uh, we love to see that hard work pay off more than anything. And I think that's what makes basketball amazing. You know, like you really see, like you know, there, there's, there's that balance of team play and individual work that like is just amazing. So yeah, great points, guys. Thanks for listening to the Game Buckets podcast. Follow us on Spotify. Follow us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Get Bucket Pod. You can subscribe to us on our RSS feed. You know, get us anywhere you get your podcasts, and uh, we'll see you next week. Peace. <laughs>